Got a Hall of Famer in the studio with me today on Lincoln Live. On Tuesday, August 9th, Rick Alloway will be inducted into the Nebraska Broadcasters Hall of Fame. That is a well-deserved honor, folks, from high school at Southeast, where he voiced daily announcements over the school intercom, to working at KFOR for a dozen years. Rick is most known for his 36 years managing and teaching at KRNU in the UNL College of Journalism and Mass Communications Department. You'll know him when you hear him today. For nearly 30 years, Rick has hosted the governor's call-in show here on KFOR. Do you realize in your 40-plus years of radio and my 35 years here at KFOR, we have never set mic to mic? That is true. Until this very minute. That is very true. And it's very odd for me to be on the other side of the interview. (laughs) Long overdue. What did you want to be when you grew up? I, my first recollection of a job interest was to be a sports writer for a newspaper. So it was media from yeah. the beginning? Yeah, well, I think so. I had really excellent journalism teachers in school, uh, many of whom went on to do fabulous things on their own. But I had really good mentors growing up. And I listened to a lot of local radio as a kid, including the, the Musical Clock, which was the morning show on KFOR with Dick Perry and, and Bill Wood. And just, I love their their baritone voices and how calm they were in the morning. I'm old enough to remember Don McNeil's Breakfast Club. He used to run out of Chicago on the ABC radio network as a, as a kid. And I was just fascinated by the idea of sort of joining this live party that was happening and how they pulled it all together and the different guests, musical guests and interviews. So I think it was always, uh, the, the media side of things was always in me, but... I thought about doing it in a print venue, and then uh, in high school, the opportunity came quite unexpectedly to join this thing called an Explorer Post that was the high school branch of scouting at that time, and I don't know if it's still around today or not, but it was the career exploration side of scouting, and local businesses would host an Explorer Post and invite high school students to do a career interest survey at the beginning of the school year and then send letters to students who had expressed interest in that particular area. KFOR had such a post. I actually didn't get a letter, but one of my best friends did, and he wasn't interested, and he brought the letter over to me and said, I don't think I'm interested in doing this, but I thought you might be. And I came to one meeting, and as I've said famously a lot of times, I stayed for 12 years. Can you recall the most fun period of time you had in radio? I may still be having it. Good for you. Because it is now, I've sort of come full circle. When I started in high school, the operations manager at KFOR was a guy named Jim Miller, who still mm-hmm. lives here in Lincoln. And, uh, and Jim and I still communicate once in a while. Jim uh, brought me in in what was essentially an intern position after the Explorer Post. All of us got to record a, an hour of ourselves doing a show overnight. KFOR wasn't 24-7 back in the, in the mid-70s. So we, but we were licensed for 24, so the Explorers did an hour overnight with one of the part-time kids kind of overseeing things. And Jim listened to all those tapes and said he liked the way I sounded and wanted to know if I wanted to come in and become what he called an apprentice rather than an intern. And I'd like to think that I'm now Jim Miller, that I am now the next generation of folks who gets to work with new, bright, energetic, young media talent folks, which I get to do in my teaching job. Plus, I come from a family of teachers, so education's a big thing in my family. So this is kind of the melding of the two things that I enjoy most in life. I was brought into radio by listening to a small little transistor at night 
WLS, KSTP, Larry Lou Jack on uh, Chicago, John Records, Landecker. And I thought, you know, playing, playing music, I didn't understand radio, but I wanted to be an architect. So I went to Hastings Community College and was going to sign up to be a draftsman. The tour guide took us past the campus radio station, and I saw kids in shorts, T-shirts, playing rock and roll, and Rick, I was hooked. Yep. I was hooked. I changed it and went on, and I did it for the fun. Mm -hmm. I really did it for the fun, and I worked for a station in Kearney, KRNY, that was a WKRP. We had a secretary, we had a salesman, we had a manager that fit that mold, and it was a blast. I don't think people it's realize, a lot of fun. if they're out of the industry, I don't think people realize how accurate WKRP was. Yes. <laughs> in yes. lots of ways. There's a lot of inside yeah. baseball in that, in that show. And for me, it became a business when I went to KFAB in Omaha. And that's not a knock. I needed it. I was a 23-year-old kid working with people who had been in the business oh. longer than I'd been alive. and I giants there. kept my mouth shut and my ears open. And that's that's really where I went to school was mm -hmm. KFAB and then transitioned within. Well, what's interesting is you and I have known each other for 40 plus years, but we'd never worked together. We worked in the same company. When did you leave in 84? Uh, uh, KFOR in 84. In, it would have been probably early summer of 84 because I was at uh, the ad agency I went to. I was there almost exactly two years and I left in July of 86 to go to the university. So it would have been spring of 84. We missed each other by about just, five, six months. Just, I came yep. January 1 of 85. Yep. Well, you went on to uh, make your mark at the university. You've taught more than 250 individual classes, over 8,500 students. That's the population of Waverly, Hickman, and Wilbur. <laughs> <laughs> You've taught three communities worth I of young people, Rick. <laughs> uh, I asked what drew you into radio. What are young people saying these days that is drawing them to communication? I think many of the same things. I think many of them are fascinated by the opportunity to create content. I don't know that it is so specifically rooted in radio as a word the way it used to be because they're not huddled up under the blankets with the transistor so that mom and dad can't hear them. They're listening on their phones. So devices have changed but the content and the concept of what they're listening to has not changed that much. And there are still Obviously, traditional radio broadcasts that are heard online and heard over the phone, as well as the, the terrestrial version. But now, the thing that has changed is, from when you and I were kids, is the ability to create that content much more seamlessly. I mean, we had to have studios. We had to come to a place like where you and I are sitting right now to be able to, to do much back in the, in the early 70s. But now anybody with a smartphone can create a podcast mm -hmm. and can put that up on the web and can be a YouTube celebrity or a Transistor.fm celebrity or a Live 65 celebrity from the time that they're in middle school on up. And that creates a, an interest at a much younger age, but also the ability to actually create that content now. I've had people say to me, then, well, where do educators come in? If, if we used to have the keys to the castle because we had the studios and the stuff, and now people have the stuff in their jeans pocket in their, in their mobile phone, the difference becomes that they need guiding and coaching in terms of what makes a good story, what is good content, because there's a lot of stuff that goes up online that's probably unlistenable to anybody other than mom and dad and brothers and sisters and a few close friends. But that's where it all starts. 
And now you need other people who can say, let's look at that story that you did and let's rework that a little bit and, and let's let's think about where those elements go together and how can you use some other sound to help tell that story and how can you improve your delivery and your personal vocal performance and, oh, here are some things that might get you sued if you say these things online, so maybe you don't want to go there. And that's where the experience of the people in education and the folks at stations who are working with interns comes into play. I recall hearing someone in my career say, you stay at a place long enough until everyone around you becomes stupid, (laughs) which means you have stopped learning. It's time to move on. But things that haven't changed is uh, talking to people, not at people, trying to eliminate us and other crutches that become verbal spacers yes and what your mouth says while your brain's figuring out where to go next does it make it tougher to teach communication i don't think so necessarily i i I think the the fact that more people can create content earlier means that in many cases they have found their own natural voice without listening to some of the people that you and I listened to had the radio thing going for them. We used to have to break people of that when they'd come in. They'd want to sound like this when they got on the air. And you go, stop that. Just sound like yourself. They would take this unnecessary detour to sounding like the mm-hmm. boss jocks from the big mm-hmm. cities that they'd listened to growing up. Where And one of the things I think that's good about the fact we've gotten away from that is there are now a lot of very successful people in broadcast whose voices or deliveries would not have allowed them to, to achieve that level of success 40, 50 years ago. But they're great storytellers. And I remember we had a consultant when I worked at KFOR. We had a news consultant named John Huddleston who came in and uh, big boy, baritone voice. But one of the signs that he made us put up in the newsroom was, don't read me the news, tell me the news. Yes. And that stuck with me for a long, long time because it it allowed me to learn how to to look at a piece of script, but to talk my way through it rather than read the words off the page. Because one of the things we try to tell our students early on in broadcast and, and media production is that while the audience may be large, the individual media consumer perceives it as a one-to-one communication between them and the person on the other side of the microphone. And so it it comes down to little things like instead of saying, hey, you guys, and talking in plural, or I hope all of you are having to just say, I hope you're having a good afternoon, and keeping it very one-on-one, because that's the way it is consumed on the other side of the mic. And that's tough for young people to understand when they're, we're asking them to do something that is inherently not very conversational. Sit in this room by yourself and talking to this metal stick and make it sound like, I'm just having a cup of coffee with you. That's an acquired skill. Yeah, it is. Rick Alloway joining me. He will be inducted into the Nebraska Broadcasters Hall of Fame on Tuesday, August 9th. Nine years doing Lincoln Area High School sports play-by-play cable casts. A dozen years at KFOR. 22 years producing, hosting Campus Voices, a weekly radio show covering campus leaders and events. 27 years producing and hosting Vocal Chords, an acapella radio program and webcast heard Sunday and Monday mornings, even today, uh, from 8 in the morning to 10 in the morning on uh, 90.3 KRNU or at krnu.unl.edu. 
29 years hosting the Governor's Call-In Show here on KFOR, 36 years managing and teaching at KRNU. You don't do anything short-term, do you, at all? <laughs> at all. I, I steal this line from Kent Pavelka all the time when he was congratulated on calling his 1,000th Nebraska basketball game. And he said, this is what happens when you have no other job offers. But I just, I genuinely love what I do. And I have never grown tired of any of those things. And I, I think, to your point about, you stick around till you know, the, everybody else around you seems stupid. If that's the case, I got a long time to go because I work with really brilliant people who just uh, keep me excited and motivated all the time. And of course, when you teach at a university, you are always getting a new group of mm-hmm. folks in every semester whom you have not met and who bring a lot of excitement to the table as well. So there's lots to keep it fresh and keep it intriguing and keep it going. And I just, I want to keep going until I, until I feel like I'm the stupid one and I just have no, have nothing more to give. But all of that I just rattled off, the one that impresses me among those is you've received the UNL Parents Association's Outstanding Contributions to Students Award 27 times. Parents, people who have sent their children to you to learn, you have taught them. And they've recognized that and awarded you for it. I, I, that speaks volumes. Well, I appreciate that. That's a, that is a special one because it's one that you can't, you don't enter that. It's not a competition. You have absolutely no say over whether or not you get nominated for that. And it is something that having put a child through the university myself, I understand the back end of that process. And you're right that a parent has to take the time to, first of all, talk with their student and say, who's... Who's special to you? Who's doing? Who's taking some time with you? And then they have to write out the the nomination and send it in. And it's heartening every year to see the hundreds of people at the university, faculty, staff, graduate students, anybody who's made an impact on an undergrad's life get recognized for that because that's... Those are the memories and the moments that you keep with you later on as a person yourself. You remember who the people were that were important in your early development. They're what a friend of mine calls... The leg up people, the people that give you the leg up onto the horse and let you then take off and ride. But a, a a principle of being a leg up person is you get left behind because you're always in the background then to help the next person get up. And so it's not about you. It's about the other people that you're able to give that start to. And one of the really humbling things about this honor, and there are lots of things about it, but joining some people in this Hall of Fame, including several members of folks who worked at KFOR one time or another and were my mentors, is having had a chance to hear some interviews done with former students who will recall little moments that I have long since forgotten, but they have not and that have stuck with them to this day. They'll remember specific conversations we had just in passing in the hallway. And it reminds me constantly of the need to be cognizant of what you say and how you act around people because the, the smallest things many times lead to lasting memories for good or bad. I received a card from a listener that said, you are the best friend I have never met. Wow. Isn't that heavy? You kept that one, didn't I you? I kept that one. What will you say in your Hall of Fame acceptance speech? You know, I'm wrestling with this one a lot because there are no one gets to a position of recognition like that alone. And I have had 
amazing mentors like Jim Miller, who hired me here at KFOR, Roger Larson, who will forever be the best boss I could ever have wanted to work for, Dick Chapin, all guys that are in the Hall of Fame, Kathy Blythe, co-worker here for a lot of years, also Hall of Fame, nationally recognized Marconi Award winner, um, people like Scott Young, who I had the privilege to, to bring into the staff, Ward Jacobson, who I hired to be an overnight guy. Uh, they're all people that helped shape me as well, but um, as you know, you don't get to any of these without a very strong supportive family as well that has to put up with a lot of times when your cell phone goes off in the middle of a family dinner because somebody's locked themselves out of the studio or the station's off the air or there's a national emergency we have to cover or something along that line. It's one of a lot of different jobs, not the only one clearly, that has disruptive features to it about family life and I uh, as much as I value all those numbers that you just read off and they and they, they mean a lot to me the one that's more impressive to me and more, and, and more special to me is that as of October 11th my wife and I will have been married 42 years that one I couldn't find <laughs> yep, married in 1980 I, we have and we have three terrific young men that yeah. uh, I'm proud to call my yeah. sons and that's to me, that's the more important life's work than any of the stuff that we're talking about otherwise. I'm a better person having known you. Well, that goes both ways, my yeah. friend. Uh, Hall of Famer, August 9th, Rick Alloway will be inducted into the Nebraska Broadcasters Hall of Fame. And he's been joining me for a few minutes on Lincoln Live.